Well, good afternoon. This is Brent, and this is um, the Ramblings of a Ragamuffin. So this is a, a podcast. This is episode uh, number four, I do believe. This is our fourth one. So welcome back. Uh, again, it's Ramblings of a Ragamuffin. And today we're going to talk about uh, a wonderful story in, in the book of John, uh, chapter 2. It's actually the first recorded uh, miracle of Jesus at a marriage uh, uh, in Cana, to be exact. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, the title of the message is Brim Up, B-R-I-M, Brim Up. And uh, the word brim, actually, if you look in the dictionary, it's a, it's a, it's a cool word, uh, You've, you've probably, when you've poured a cup of coffee or you've uh, poured a glass of you know, wine or, or whatever you're drinking, uh, you know, someone will ask you if, you're, if somebody's pouring it for you, they'll say, how much do you want? And you know, a lot of times you'll say, fill it to the brim. Have you ever said that? Uh, the word brim, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means to be or to become full. It means full. It means often. It means often to uh, to overflowing it, not just a little bit in your cup. You're you're filling it all the way to the top. You're you're almost overflowing, if not overflowing the cup. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's an overflow. It's to abound. It's to burst. It's uh, uh, to burst more and more. Actually, I'm going to read you a scripture in. Uh, uh, something that Paul says in First Thessalonians. Chapter one, um, uh, actually no, I'm sorry. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one, and and it goes right along with uh, the meaning of brim uh, to become full, to be overflowing, uh, to uh, to abound, to burst, to become more and more. Listen to what Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one. He's talking about living a life that pleases God. Paul says, as for other matters. Brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Now, did you get what he said? He, he's talking to the believers. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's instructing them as he's already has instructed them, telling them, you know, this is the kind of life you need to live that pleases God. And he says, in fact, you are living it. You're living this life. But Paul doesn't just say to them, well, you already know this. You're already living it. So there's no reason for me to tell you again. No, Paul reminds them. We often need that reminder. You know, it's, it's, it's not enough that we might know a thing. It's good, especially when it comes to the word of God. We need to be reminded of a thing. We need to be reminded of certain things. So Paul is saying to them, in fact, you are living this way. You are living uh, in a way that pleases God. Your lifestyle is pleasing to God. But listen to what Paul says. In fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you. We're not just asking, but we're urging you. We're encouraging you. We're challenging you in the Lord Jesus, to do this more and more. You know, in other words, so Paul's already told them how to love people, how to forgive, how to live a life, how, what kind of language they, they should use, that they need to be people that are givers, you know, joyfully giving uh, of their finances, of their time, of their talents, of their belongings, uh, 
you know, loving not just people that love them, but loving those that are the enemies, love, you know, and on and on. Paul is explaining to them and, and expounding upon all the things that they need to do in their life to be pleasing to God. And he tells them, you are doing this. I understand you're doing this, but here's the challenge. I want you to do it more and more. <laughs> so isn't, isn't that amazing? More and more. It's not just doing it. It's doing it more and more. And you know, when you, when you daily fall in love with Jesus, when you're daily living your life to be pleasing in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a, in a beautiful fragrance unto the Lord, when you're living that way and you want to please your father in heaven, then you'll do things more and more. You won't just do a little bit. You won't just do enough to get by, but you'll want to do things more and more. You'll want to love people more and more. You'll, you'll want to go above and beyond in how you love people. You'll want to go above and beyond in forgiving somebody. You'll want to go above and beyond in your giving. And, and, and it goes on and on. So Paul says, do it more and more. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.1. That verse goes along with the definition of brim. Brim is to be or to become full. You know, often overflowing. What That's what Paul's saying here in that verse, isn't it? He says, I want you to live a life that pleases God. I know you're doing it, but I want you to do it overflowingly. I want you to do it so, so much you're abounding in it. I want you to do it more and more. I want you to do it where you're full of it. I want you to do it where you're not. You're, it's not like your glass is half full or part, part of the way full or just enough, but it's brimming over. It, there, there's no more room in that cup for any more liquid. It's to the top. It's spilling over. And that's what Paul says that we need to do in our Christian life to live in such a way that we are pouring over, that we are bounding, that we are more than more and more. We're going over the top. We're radical in the way we live for Jesus Christ, in the way we love people, in the way we encourage people, in the way we uh, challenge people to live lives that are pleasing to God, in the way we live before people as an example of Jesus, abounding, full, filled up, brimming up, and overflowing and abounding with the love and grace of Jesus in our life. Amen. It, it, it doesn't that sound truly amazing? I believe it does. So brim, that's what we're talking about today. Our message today is entitled Brim Up. <laughs> brim Up. And we're going to be in the book of John chapter 2 uh, verses 1 through 7. Again, we're going to be talking about the story of uh, the very first recorded miracle in the Bible from Jesus at the marriage of Canaan. And the, I, I guess because the word brim, it makes me think of coffee. And if you know me, I, I love coffee. I love to drink coffee. I love to have a cup of coffee. I love the smell of coffee. So it reminded me, uh, it reminded me the message being called brim up this morning. It reminded me of the old, you guys remember the old, uh, commercial jingle years ago and I, for Folgers Coffee. Uh, and if you go back, I think they probably still play the commercial. I don't know. But, but it was an old jingle that they played. And the part of the jingle was the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. I'll say I'll save I'll save you the the pain. I won't sing the jingle to you. <laughs> but I'll just I'll just say it to you. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And if you guys remember that, it's old, the old jingle from the Folgers commercial. That's what I was thinking of this morning as I thought about this, this uh, message and the title of this message uh, uh, for today. 
And then, you know, if you've seen that commercial, in the commercial, you know, the, the guy is getting out of bed and he's stretching and you can tell his eyes are half closed and he's getting in the shower and he's like trying to wake himself up and he's he's stumbling through the house and it, all of a sudden his wife puts up under his nose uh, this this cup of coffee that is filled to the brim, right? Filled to the brim with Folgers coffee, and all of a sudden his eyes pop open, and he's alert, he's awake, he's he's like in celebration mode because apparently the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. <laughs> so I don't know about that. I love coffee, and I love the smell of coffee in the morning. I love to get that first cup of coffee in the morning. And if you know me, and if you're around me very much. Uh, you know that all, not just in the morning, but all through the day, I've got to have a, a cup of coffee with me. But even as much as I love coffee, the best part of waking up to me is not coffee. <laughs> the best part of waking up is not is not that cup of coffee that's filled to the brim and 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 running over. That's 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 a plus. That's a plus. That's an awesome start to the day having that that good cup of coffee. Um, you know, to, to start the day with, but that's not the best part of, of my day. And I hope it's not the best part of your day when you wake up in the morning. And, and, and what I like to tell people is if your eyes open up in the morning and you're awake and you're breathing, that, that means one thing, God's not done with you yet, that you still have a purpose and God has a plan and a purpose for you. Get up out of bed, get that shower, get your coffee in you and hit the ground running because there's someone out there that needs to hear about Jesus. So that's the best part of the day when you wake up and you realize, you know what, I'm still alive. And even I might have I might have aches and pains as I'm getting up. I might I might be a little slow in getting up, and I might need to get in the shower, and I might need that that cup of Folgers coffee filled to the brim to you know to to get me going. But truly, and 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 the fact is, that's not the best part of the day. the best part of the day is that God loves me, and He still has a purpose for me on this earth, and I'm still alive, and I'm, my my heart's still pounding, the blood's still pumping through my veins, and 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 I've got a mission from God. That's the best part of the day. So the best part of the day is is waking up and realizing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. The best part of your day is waking up and realizing that you're saved and that you have salvation, not by, not because of anything that you've done, but because you believe in Jesus Christ, that your faith is in, is because of, of your faith, that you believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins, was buried in a tomb, and on the third day rose again. And now he 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 went he rose again and he was resurrected and he went to be with the Father and as as I speak he sits at the right hand of the Father and soon the Lord Jesus will come through those clouds and return for his people. Now that's the good news that Jesus came and died on a cross for our sins that he died he was buried and then he resurrected again. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That is the best part of waking up. To maybe some of maybe some of you it is that that coffee that the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. I keep going back to that jingle. So, but if you're a believer and if you're a child of God and you you are a Christian and you're listening to me on this podcast today, the best part of the day is knowing that God still has a purpose and a plan for you. So get your cup of coffee, fill it to the brim, and let's get into the Word today and let's find out 
what the best part of the day is. Let's find out the best part is, is when God takes our life, forgives us of our sins, and says, you know what, I love you, and I've got a purpose and a plan and a mission for you. Amen? So let's get into the word. <clears throat> John chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Again, the title of this message today is called Brim Up. And I'm going to tell you the, the definition again. I love this definition for brim. To be or to become full. To be filled. To be filled and often overflowing. To overflow, to abound, to burst, to be more and more, as, as, as what Paul said, to, to, to do things more and more, to be pleasing to God. Let's not just be a people that please God, you know, a little. You know, let's, let's go above and beyond. Let's be a people that want to please God above and beyond, not just squeak by. You know, I've heard people in, 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 in all the years of my life, I've heard it, uh, there's, there's been times I've been around somebody and, the, and they'll be talking about, you know, you know they, they love the Lord, they're living for the Lord, they're not, they're not completely all the way in, they're not brimming over, they're not, you know, they're not overflowing, uh, they're just, they, they just feel like they're just getting by and they'll make statements like, well, I'm still going to get to get to heaven, Brent, but you know, I, I, I may not be where the, the, in, the, in the part of heaven that you're in, but I, I'm, I'm going to barely, I'm, I'm, I'm squeaking by, I'm, I'm going to get there, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm living that kind of life where I'm just barely squeaking by. And I, I you know, I know I'm still going to make it, Brent, but you know, and that's okay with me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just barely going to make it, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. We shouldn't be a people that's just okay with just barely getting by. I mean, don't you want to stand before Jesus one day and hear him say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you want to be the kind of Christian that is brimming over, that's doing things more and more? You're living a life dedicated to Jesus Christ. You're living a life that is a witness before people in how you speak and how you act and how you interact with people and, 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 and you live in the, living the word of God through your life. And you're overflowing with kindness. You're overflowing with God's grace and his love and his forgiveness and, and, and the, the deeds that you do every day, loving people and helping people. Do you want to just get by or do you want to do it brimming up, overflowing, uh, uh, abounding, bursting forth? I mean, those are action words. Those to me are, are vivid words. You know, those are not words like, you know, like I, I'm lazy and I just want to barely squeak by. I mean, who wakes, you know, who, what, what, what athlete out there that, 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 that thrives to be the best athlete he can says, eh, I'll, I'll be happy if I just get a, a bronze. You know, I'll, I'll be happy if I just get a silver. You know, I, I think of Michael Phelps, the, the, uh, the swimmer from the Olympics. Oh man. You know, his attitude, his work ethic, um, and actually I believe uh, it's been a while since I've heard any, uh, uh, anything about him, but the last I heard about Michael Phelps, I, I believe I heard that he's a Christian now, that uh, someone had given him the, the Purpose Driven Life book, and he started to read it, and it changed his life. So I, 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 I you know, that, that, you know, praise the Lord for that. But when I think about, you know, this, this living a life, and we got a choice to make, you know, yeah, I'm barely, I, it's fine. I'll barely get by. It's, I'm fine with being lazy or living a life of, 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 of 
uh, more and more, uh, brim, brimming up a full life, an overflowing life, uh, abounding, and more and more. And the reason why I brought up uh, an athlete is because, I, you know, if you take an athlete like Michael Phelps, never did you hear Michael Phelps say, eh, you know, I'm going into this Olympics this year and, you know, I'm not really going to train for it. Uh, you know, I, the last several Olympics I, I won. And so obviously I know what I'm doing and I'm just going to, I'm just going to ride into this Olympics on, on the accolades of the last Olympics or the the one before that. It's just going to carry me through and I'll be all right. I'm, you know, I'm going to kick back, eat some potato chips and, you know, stay out late and party and, and, you know, and I'll, I'll be all right. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll know I'll, I'll, I'll squeak in and I'll, I'll, I'll probably get a bronze or a silver, but now I'll, I'll be all right. no. Never at all did you ever hear Michael Phelps say that. No, what you heard him say was he talked about that passion to do what he was doing. He loved to do what he was doing. He talked about the work that it took to get there. He didn't talk about what that what it did in the past. He, he 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 as good as he was, he built on that foundation. And it was to him it was brimming up. It wasn't I'll barely get by and I'll squeak through. No, it was I'm brimming up. Even though I've done this in the past, this is a new year, the new Olympics. I'm brimming up. I am going to go all out. I'm going to be full. I'm going to be overflowing. I'm going to abound. I'm going to burst forth. And, I, I, and, and that's his attitude. And that's what you saw. When Michael Phelps hit the water, it was exciting. I mean, it was like a burst of energy that you never saw before. And it was like he didn't stop until he got done. And even then, he was still going. And that's, that, that is brimming up. And I don't know why I said all that. <laughs> you know, I wasn't even planning on talking about Michael Phelps, but that's just the picture that came to my mind. But that's the kind of Christians we need to be. All out, not, not riding the fence, all out living for Jesus, counting the cost and going, laying down our lives, picking up our cross and following Jesus. Full, overflowing, abounding, bursting forth, more and more. Michael Phelps never pursued that bronze or that silver. He had his eye on the gold. Amen? He had his eye on the gold. And that's where our eyes should be, on Jesus. On Jesus. That's that's our goal. You know, the gold, the trophies, the things of earth, they fade and they rust and they fall apart and they amount to nothing. But what we put our eyes on, the heavenly reward of eternity with our Savior Jesus, that'll never rust. That'll never fall apart. That'll never never fade. So get your eyes on the gold today. Get your eyes on Jesus today. That is where our eyes should be. Brim up. I almost call this message brim up or shut up. (laughs) Brim up or shut up. It's time for us as Christians to brim up. Amen. So John chapter two, verse one starts out on the third day. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now this is almost Almost kind of funny. And when you think about the, the relationship that Jesus had with his mother, and, 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 and just, I'm going to read you a verse in Luke here in just a second about 
uh, this is, I'm going to read you something that, that his mother Mary says, and it kind of, as I was preparing for this message, this uh, podcast today, uh, it took me back to something that Mary said uh, before Jesus was even born. When the angel came, Gabriel, and told her that you were going to have uh, a son, and he was the savior of the world. So I'm going to read that for you in just a minute uh, after I read uh, this part of what Mary says. But um, the, the, when the wine had gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they, ha- they have no wine. Now this is early on. This is early on. Jesus uh, hadn't, hadn't kicked off his ministry yet. Jesus kicked off his ministry at the age of 30. You remember when he got baptized from John and then he went into the wilderness and was, was tempted, uh, tempted from Satan. Uh, Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30 and he died on the cross at the age of 33. So there was three years. So from infant to 30, Jesus was in preparation. Jesus was preparing. So at this point, Jesus had not stepped into his ministry yet. And, and, and he was just at this wedding with his mother, with his disciples and the crowds of people. And all of a sudden a problem breaks out. No more wine. All the wine is gone. That's a problem, especially if you were Jewish and you were were having a Jewish celebration. Wine was important. Celebration was important. You want to shut down a party real quick, run out of wine. And that's what happened. They ran out of wine and the mother of Jesus goes to Jesus and says, son, they're out of wine. You know, big problem. You know, they're out of wine. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, he doesn't call her Mary. He says, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Now, a lot of people have read that, and I've heard people teach on that. Uh, that and, and you can read that, and, and there, you know, when you first read that, you think, well, was Jesus being rude? You know, was he being, you know, he calls her woman. What, what do you have to do with me? He's not, he's not being rude to his mother. That's not what is happening here. Jesus is saying to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. He wasn't trying to be rude with his mother, Mary, but he was trying to let her know, it's not my hour yet. It's not time for me to step out of, from behind the shadows. It's not time yet for me to begin my ministry. It's not time yet for me to step out and, and, and do the things that are going to lead me to the cross. And that's, you know, that when I read that, that's how I, that's how I perceive him saying to her, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not time yet. You know, God has a timing. There's a timing for everything. And, and Mary just, <laughs> Mary just kind of cuts to the, to the, to the front of the line here and says, pardon me, pardon me, my son, Jesus, we're out of wine. You're going to have to do something about this. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, you know, but but think about you know, think about the love of a mother. Think about the love that that Mary had for her son. You know, and I'm getting ready to read you this scripture in Luke when when Gabriel comes and talks to to Mary about her son Jesus coming. G- Mary knew she was told from the beginning. She was told before she was even you know pregnant. You know, you're going to have a son. Your son is going to be the savior of the world. So Mary. Think about this. Mary is, has been anticipating all the way through that, after that, that talk that she had with Gabriel, 
all the way through that, through through her pregnancy with Joseph, and uh, as they go to Bethlehem, as she gives birth, as Jesus is a infant, as Jesus grows into a toddler, as Jesus grows into into uh, you know the you know uh, you know gets a little bit older, as he grows into a teenager, on and on and on and up. Think about Mary; she is preparing, she is pondering, she is is treasuring all of this in her heart of what is about to come, what is going to happen, watching her son grow, watching the preparation, the planning, watching things happen. And it's, to me, when I read that, I picture a mother that is just, you know, going back to that word brimming, she's, she's bursting. She loves her son. She loves her son. And she's brimming with that love and that plan that she knows that God has for him. And she, she just cuts to the, you know, she just, she, you know, she's not beating around the bush. She just goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, we're at this wedding and they run out of wine and there's no, no other wine around. And you're going, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do something about it. And, 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 and Jesus looks at her and says, woman, what do I have to do with you? Why, why, why do you bring this problem to me? You know, it's almost like you're seeing Jesus trying to say, you know what, this, you know, this isn't the way, <laughs> this isn't the way I pictured it, mom. This, this isn't how I pictured coming on the scene. But the mother, listen to what she says. Even after she, he, that Jesus says to his mother, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come yet. It's not time yet. It's not time for me to step out and begin to do these things that, that will lead me to the cross. It's not time yet. I'm, you know, listen to what Mary says. Mary, it's almost like Mary ignores him. It says, it says, his mother said to the servants, whatever, listen to this, whatever he says to you, do it. Did you hear what I said? Whatever he says to you, do it. It's almost like Mary completely ignored what Jesus just said. You know, a woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour is not yet come. You know, this, you know, it's not going to happen. It's, it's my hour has not yet come yet. It's not time yet. She just bypasses that and says to the servants that are standing next to him, whatever he says to you, whatever my son tells you to do, do it. Now think about that. Mary believed in the words of her son. Now go back to Luke chapter one, when when G, the birth of Jesus is foretold, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, talking about when 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 Gabriel came, greetings, you are highly favored. Uh, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God." You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What will this, how will this be, Mary said. Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. She said to the, to the angel, what a conversation. How is this going to be? I'm a virgin. I, I, I've never been with a man. I'm, I'm prepared to get married, but I've never been with a man. How is this going to happen? 
And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, talking about John the Baptist's mother. And she who said and and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now here's where I want you to get what Mary says. She doesn't complain. She doesn't doubt it. She doesn't say it's never going to happen. Listen to what Mary says, her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's what Mary said to the angel. Mary answered, I am your the Lord's servant. I'm your servant, Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. She knew God's word was true and she knew that she could stand on God's word. She didn't have to doubt. She didn't have to ask questions. She said, Lord, I'm your servant. May your word to me be true. I'm going to, whatever, in other words, I'm going to paraphrase, whatever you say, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. Whatever you say. Now go to this story here, Jesus talking to, uh, to or Mary talking to Jesus about the wine. Jesus says to her, it's my hour has not come. And then she just kind of bypasses him. And, and Mary says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That kind of goes right along with, with what she said to, to, to Gabriel, doesn't it? I'm your servant, Lord. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you say to me is true. Whatever you say, I'll do it. That's what she says to the servants. Hey, listen, guys, this is my son, Jesus. His word, there's some power in his words. (laughs) Whatever he says, I want you to do it because what he said is the truth. So now there were six stone water pots that were set there for the Jewish custom of purification. Uh, going back to water purification, you know, they, you know, and that's an, that's another whole message there about, uh, you know, about how they how they had to wash their hands, how they how they had to, you know, there was laws on on uh, cleansing and purification. But right there, where their their wedding was in in this room where Jesus and the servants were and Mary, they uh, in that room that Mary said to the servants, "Listen, guys, hey." Whatever my son, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Whatever he says, I want you to do it because it's truth. In that room, there were six stone water pots that were set there for the Jewish custom of purification. And each one of these were containing 20 to 30 gallons of of water. That's a lot of water. Six large stone water pots, each of them Contain, could be containing 20 to 30 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. Now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Remember what Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. They're out of, they're out of wine. And like I said, 
You want to you want to end a uh, party, especially a Jewish celebration. You want to end a wedding party. You know, the wedding parties didn't didn't go for like an hour or two. Wedding parties went for days. You know, they partied. You know, they they so you know you want to end a party real quick, or you want to get the reputation that you're not a good host. Run out of wine. <laughs> or have terrible wine, and, and then you'll find out you're you're probably never going to host another wedding again. So, but Jesus says to them, "Remember, they're out of wine. You know, they're trying to figure out how are we going to keep people from panicking. We're out of wine. How are we going to keep the you know this from uh from, you know how are we going to keep our good reputation? We're going you know people are going to find out that we ran out of wine. We don't know how to plan. You know, Jesus says, fill the water pots with water. Now." I'm trying to put myself into the minds of these servants. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us, it doesn't tell us what the servants think. It tells us what the servants did, which is amazing. It doesn't tell us what they think. You know, I I wonder, and and I've got a, God's given me a good imagination. I've got running in my mind. I'm picturing these servants looking at each other thinking, what, what, what did he just say? Did he say fill the water pots with water? Six stone water pots, 20 to 30 gallons. You know, that's that's a lot of water. These people that are partying and, and from this wedding, there's a lot of people out here, Lord. Last thing they want to do is drink water. <laughs> but you're saying fill the water pots with water. And then it says, notice what it says. And they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. You know, Jesus says, fill up the water pots, fellas, with water. And that's what they did. Remember what Mary said? Whatever he says, do it. They went and filled the stone water pots with water. Now, I want you to think about something. Jesus said, fill. Fill to the brim. All right, above and beyond to the brim, they could have. You know, these are these are six stone water pots that hold twenty to thirty gallons each. There's a marriage going on, a marriage celebration. The wine is empty, which means this: people are going to be looking for wine. People are going to be asking questions. Where's the wine? Why aren't we, why isn't someone serving wine? Here are these men that are told to go fill them up with wine. Now, when you're in a hurry, when you're in a hurry, do you cut corners? Yeah, we all do, right? When you're in a hurry, someone tells you to do something, go fill this up, go fill this bag, go do this, go do that. When you're in a hurry, you're you're only going to do it part of the, you're not going to, you're not going to put everything into it, right? You're in a hurry, right? You're wanting to get to where you're going. So you're going to, you're only going to do it half. You know, you're, you're only going to put you know part of an effort in it because you're wanting to get to where you're going, right? Well, these men are no different. They're realizing there's a marriage supper going on. There is are people that are wanting wine, looking for wine, asking questions about wine, the best way we can get this wine to them as quick as we can, let's do it. So that's, so when I, when I think of this, what's interesting that hit me, and I've read this story hundreds of times, and it never hit me till I recently uh, was reading this, 
they went and filled these six stone water pots to the brim, to the brim. They didn't go uh, hurriedly and fill them halfway or almost full. They didn't. And that, that really struck me. They could have, they could have just rushed to where the water flow was and, 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 and put the, and, and put the, 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 uh, the, the water pots under there, each one for just a couple minutes, but, and, 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 and hurried up and went to the next one all, you know, on and on till they got to all six of them with the, you know, with that mindset of thinking, Hey, there's six, there's six water pots. You know, each of them hold 20 or 30 gallons. So even if we don't fill them very full, there's still, there's still enough in there, right? There's still, so, but it fascinates me. It fascinates me that they didn't. It fascinates me that these guys did what Jesus said. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. Jesus didn't say, you know, when you got time, you could, you know, put in as much as you want, uh, just a little bit. No, Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And these servants, these men, they went and their attitude was, their heart was, we're going to fill these to the, to the brim. We're not going to just fill them part of the way. We're not just going to fill them up a little bit. We're going to fill them to the top. Not only are we filling them to the top, we are going to have them so full that they're overflowing. We're going to have them so full that they're spilling out when we bring them back. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, here's my thought. The reason why I brought all this up. How often do we do what Jesus says? How often do we go above and beyond in, in what we do for Jesus? How often do we go halfway or almost all the way in when it comes to being obedient to the words of Christ? When Jesus says in in, in his word to love everybody and to forgive everybody, to pray for those that uh, hate us or abuse us or mock us, how how often are we more like this? Well... Okay, Jesus, but not. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not doing it to the brim. You know, you you want me to. You want me to love people. Okay, Jesus, I'll, I'll love people. I'll go out and I'll love people that love me. That that's easy enough. I'll. But Jesus doesn't tell us to just love people that love us, right? Jesus tells us to go farther, to go above and beyond that, to go to the brim. Jesus tells us to love those who hate us to love those who persecute us, to be a blessing to them. Not to just be a blessing to those that bless us, but to be a blessing to those that curse us. Remember Jesus, when he went to the cross, he prayed for the very men that he looked in their eye as they were nailing him to the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for the very ones that were hammering him to the cross. And Jesus tells us to do the same to love and pray for those that would hurt us or kill us or or harm us or or mock us or safe and 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 oftentimes when here's what we do we read the word of god we read our bibles and we come across places in the bible that that we're not comfortable with 
We come across the, the letters in red where Jesus says things like love your enemy and, 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 and if you want to be first, be last. And, and, and all the different things that Jesus says, pray for those that, that, that hate you. All the things that make us uncomfortable. And we read those things and we're like, you know what, Jesus? I, ah, oh man, I, I, I don't, I don't think I can, I don't think I could, uh, fill this to the brim. I, I, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill it a little bit. I, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be obedient halfway. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what you say part of the way, Lord, or half of the way, or I'm almost, Lord, I'm, I'm almost there. But is that what Jesus asks? Is that what Jesus wants? How often do we do what Jesus says? When Jesus says, fill the water pots with water, these servants went and they didn't just, they, they, they didn't just obey Jesus a little bit. They didn't come back with one pot full. They didn't come back with one pot full and one part half full. They didn't come back with three pots full and three that were three quarters of the way full. They came back with six stone water pots that were spilling over because they filled them to the brim. They filled them to overflowing. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. They listened to what Jesus said. They were obedient and did what Jesus said. Even in the midst of knowing that the party was going on, even in the midst of knowing that somebody was going to find out that the wine was gone, someone might come up to them and say, hey guys, what are you doing? Where's the wine? In the midst of all that could be going on, in all the distractions, they listened to Jesus and they were obedient. And they filled those water pots, all six of them, to the brim. And I'm going to ask you again the question that I asked you a minute ago. How often do we do what Jesus says? How often when Jesus tells us, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to share my message with your coworkers. I want you to sit down with this person that no one wants to talk to. I want you to go to this person that's a that's an outcast. I want you to spend time with this person here because because no one loves him and he needs to hear about my love. I want you to go to this addict or this prostitute or this homeless person. I want you to share my message of hope. I want you to share the gospel. I want you to love. I want you to give. I want you to do what my word says. How often do we do what Jesus tells us to do? Do we do, do we go above and beyond? Or do we do it halfway? Or almost all? They went with six stone water pots and they took the time to fill every one. Remember what it says, containing 20 or 30 gallons of each of water. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of gallons. That's a lot of time. But it didn't matter to these servants. They remembered what Mary said. Whatever 
Jesus says to you, do it. Because there's a blessing in obedience. There's a blessing in obedience. How often do we do what Jesus says? How often do we pick up our Bibles and as we're reading, we come across a command, a a, a word from God that says, do this, do this, do this. I want you to do this. I want you to live this way. I want you to live. I want you to speak this way. I want you to, how often do we read that and then turn the page and say, that's too hard. All right, I'm going to try. Or how often do we read that and we just take a part of that? We say, well, I can't do it all, Jesus, but surely you'll bless me for doing half of it. Surely you'll bless me if I'm trying. Surely you'll bless me even if I don't go above and beyond in my love. Surely you'll, you'll, surely you'll bless me if I love those that love me. That's not what Jesus asked, is it? Love those that are your enemies. Go beyond above and beyond, brim up, dear friends. Today is the day to brim up, to become full, to overflow, to abound, to burst, to go beyond, above and beyond, more and more. Jesus is asking us the same question as he asked those servants that day. Fill the water pots with water. Fill them up. Notice these servants didn't ask why, didn't ask any questions. They just went and they filled six stone water pots to the brim. Not halfway, not part of the way, to the brim. And then Jesus said to them, listen, in verse eight, draw some out now and take to the head waiter. And they took it to him. Draw some out. They didn't wait till it became wine. This is the part that got me. They didn't wait till the water became wine. They went when it was still water. I want you to get that. I want you to get what I just said. The servants didn't wait till it became wine to take it. They didn't stand there and say, okay, Jesus, as soon as this clear water turns red or it turns purple, turns into wine, then we'll take steps and then we'll go forward and we'll take it to the the waiter. No, let me read that again. Jesus said to them, draw some of the water out and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. They didn't wait until it became wine to take it. They went while it was still water. Think about your life today. How often, how often does does Jesus tell us to do something? And our attitude is, well, Jesus, when it becomes what you said it's gonna be, then I'll go. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When Jesus, when you read the word and you see the promises of God and what God wants to do in your life, and then we look at God and we, and, and, and we, and we say, well, God, I, I see the promise. I'm reading the page and I'm studying this promise and I'm praying about it, God. And you said, this is mine. This is the life that you have for me. But God, I don't see it. So I'm going to stand in my place. I'm going to stand right where I'm at right now until it becomes that life. And then I'll go. But that's not what God says, is it? He says, go. Jesus didn't tell the servants, Pour it out, 
draw some of that water out, and then I want you to sit down and look at your cups, and then when the cups turn to wine, then I want you to get up and go. Is that what Jesus said? No, no. Jesus said, draw some of it out and take it to the head waiter, and they took it to him. That wine, it didn't, listen to me, the water, the water didn't turn into wine until they began to walk. It reminds me of the story of the lepers that Jesus healed. You ever read that story about the lepers that Jesus healed? Jesus told them, turn around and go to the priest to have yourself examined. And the Bible records that as they turned, as they went, as they began to walk, they were healed. As they be, I tell you what, my dear friends, the very thing that you're praying for in your life, the very thing that you believe in God for in your life, and you feel like maybe you're stuck. You feel like, man, it's never going to happen. It's, I don't understand what's wrong. I don't, God must not love me. You know what? What God's telling you today, start walking. Start walking because what you're, that, that, that manifestation of what you're believing for, that promise that God has for you, that wine and that, that water into wine, it's not going to happen in your life until you turn and begin to walk. Until you turn and begin to go. Until you finish the journey. Those lepers were not healed until they turned and began to go. As they went, they were healed. As the servants turned and went with the cups of water, that's when the water turned to wine. They didn't wait till it became wine to take it. They went when it was still water. They went while it was still water. The reason why we aren't seeing the things in our life manifest that God wants to manifest in our life is because we're too busy standing still waiting for it to happen right now. God says go. God says turn. God says be about the day. Be about the work at hand. Be about my work. Be about the Father's work. Be about what I've called you to do. And as you're walking, as you're going, the water is going to turn to wine. As you're going, that healing is going to come. As you're going, that promise that I've given you is going to manifest and it's going to come. They didn't wait till it became water, wine to take it. They went when it was still water. You need to go while it's still water. Stop waiting around for it to turn to wine. You need to go now while it's still water. God didn't call you to stand still. God called you to go. And as long as you stand, as long as you don't step out in faith and go, it's going to stay water. But I'm telling you something, dear friends. If you turn and begin to go, it's going to turn to wine. The promises of God, I'm telling you, the promises of God, what God has in store for you, are going to begin to manifest in your life. If you will begin to turn and begin to step and go and go and go and go in the direction that God has called you to go. Jesus said, draw some of it out and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, 
But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then that which is poor, you have kept the good wine until now. You see, back in those times, here's what, here's what they would do. When you started a wedding feast, when you started a celebration and had wine flowing, you started with the good wine first. And then as people got drunk, they switched the wine. They're figuring people are drunk, people aren't paying too much attention, so now let's stop serving the good stuff and let's give the more cheaper wine. That way they can save the good stuff. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus saves the best till last. The best is yet to come for those who are obedient. The best is yet to come for those who are obedient. Jesus saved the best for last. And it just just flabbergasted the head waiter. He's like, I don't even understand this. This is amazing to me. You know, that, that, that's, this isn't the custom. Usually it's the, you start with the good stuff and you end with the poor stuff. But no, no, this, this isn't what's happening this time. Now we're, the good stuff, the best is what's being saved for last. The best is yet to come for those who are obedient. The best is yet to come for your life, dear friends. Stay, stay obedient. The best is yet to come. Stay obedient. Do what Jesus says. Live the word of God before you in your speech, in your walk. Be obedient to what Jesus says. Be obedient to the letters in red. The best is yet to come for those who are obedient. That head waiter tasted the water which had become wine, did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drew the water out, they knew. They knew. Just imagine, just picture for a minute those servants. They didn't wait. They were obedient. Mary said, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Jesus first says, fill up the water pots with water. They did that, not just a little bit, not just part of the way to the brim. They filled them up, overflowing. And then Jesus said, draw some of that water out and take it, take it to the head waiter. Not one time in this passage of scripture do the, does a servant's gripe. Not one place do you see where they said, wait a minute, Jesus, this is water. This is foolishness. Not one place. They were obedient to fill them up. And they were obedient to draw the water out and they took that water and that's what it was. It was water. They didn't wait till it became wine to take it. That's faith. That's faith. They didn't wait till it became wine. They took it as water. But then as they walked, as they were walking, it became wine. Think about the promises of God in your life. Maybe you're sick today. You know, God has a healing for you. Maybe you're going through something today. Maybe you're going through financial uh, financial trouble. Maybe you're going through battle with your health. Maybe you're going through divorce. Maybe you're going through addictions, on and on. Whatever that storm is, whatever you're facing in your life, whatever you're going through, God has a promise for you. 
God has healing. God has salvation. God has deliverance for you today. God has the answer for you. God has a promise for you. Would you step out in faith today? You're saying, well, I know, I know God's got a healing for me, but I'm still sick. What does Jesus say? Go. They didn't, they didn't wait. They took that glass of water and they walked. They went and as they walked, it turned to wine. Maybe you're still sick today because you're standing. Maybe your healing will come as you begin to walk. Maybe you're, maybe you're addicted to something today and you're still addicted because you're still standing, waiting on that answer. You're still waiting. I'm, I'm still addicted, Lord. You know, I'm gonna stand here until you heal me. Or, or, or you deliver me, maybe your deliverance will come when you begin to walk it out. Faith. Those servants began to walk as if they had wine. They still had water in their cup, but they walked as if they had wine. And you know what? It became wine. Walk today as if you're healed. Walk today as if you're delivered from your addiction. Walk today as if God has met that need. And let me tell you something, dear friends, just like those servants, as they began to walk, the water was turned to wine. And I'm believing more more now than ever that as you begin to walk, you will walk in the very thing that you're asking God for. That healing, that deliverance, that need that needs to be met. What is that need that you have right now today? Amen? I want to close with this. That word brim comes from the word anno. Anno. And it means to upwards. It means up. It means above or to be on high. There's a few verses in the Bible that go... That, that that very word brim or anno, it, come, it is used in the same way. Philippians 3.14 Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. There's that word, upward, brim, anno, means upward, it means above, it means high. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call. Overflowing. I press on, Paul said. I'm overflowing toward that goal. Abounding, bursting more and more. I press on toward the goal of the prize of what is upward. Amen? And Colossians. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. There's that word again for brim, anno, above, upwards, to be up. If you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Keep, th- keep seeking those things above, brim, overflowing. Overflow to be bounding, to burst more and more. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Brim up, dear friends. Brim up. They didn't wait till it became wine. 
they started their walk while it was still water. Amen. Brim up. Brim up. Become full today. Overflowing. Overfilled. Abounding. Bursting. More and more. Brim up today. Brim up today because the best is yet to come for those who are obedient. I love you guys. God bless you and I'll talk to you soon.